Election Studio on Cambridge 105 Radio. In 10 days' time, the city and South Cambridgeshire will vote in the most important general election in a generation. Eight candidates are standing in Cambridge, three in South Cambridgeshire, and over the next week and a half, we'll speak to them all. I'm Julian Clover. Welcome to Election Studio, your next MP. Later, we'll speak to the Brexit Party candidate in Cambridge, Peter Dore. Uh, but first, we will turn our attention to the Greens and uh, Jeremy Caddick. Uh, good morning to you, Jeremy. Thank you very much uh, for coming in. Uh, Jeremy Caddick is the Green Party MP candidate for Cambridge, a campaigner uh, for fossil fuel divestment, also the Dean and Graduate Tutor at uh, well-known Cambridge College. Um, <laughs> we must start with the events in London on uh, Friday and the news of the death of two Cambridge students we now know. That must be painful both for the, the families and for the university itself. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, uh, the university community as a whole has been, been completely shaken by this. Uh, what, what's particularly sad um, is that these people were part of a programme that's attempting to do good, to rehabilitate offenders. That's a, a good thing to do. Uh, and they're not in any way a representative of, of, of authority or uh, the forces that terrorists wish to attack. They're simply members of society doing good. Uh, and I think, um, uh, I, I think it, the lesson we need to take away is that we actually need to do more to rehabilitate, to uh, de-radicalise um, terrorists, uh, not less. The, uh, the, the headline yesterday about Boris Johnson talking about locking up terrorists and throwing away the key is exactly the wrong direction to go in, as indeed Jack Merritt's father... Um, one of the first, when it was first announced that he was the uh, one of the victims, said. Mm. And of course, the hustings or one of the hustings mm. in Cambridge on Saturday was cancelled. In, instead, there was a memorial service at, at Great St Mary's as well. And later on today, as we've been mentioning in our news, there is this moment uh, of, of silence at, at 11 o'clock. Is it difficult, I wonder, sometimes to reconcile your role between that as a a man of God, if I might mm, use that term, mm. a man of faith, and also Jeremy Caddick, the politician, as well. Well, for for me, there's a, there's a direct link. Um, uh, um, ministers of religion are uh, traditionally neutral in the, in the. Uh, political debate. Um, the reason I got involved in the Green Party and the reason I'm standing is because neutrality is not actually possible any longer. The emergency, the climate emergency that we face means that the status quo is not all right. Uh, uh, other political parties, uh, governments across the world are simply not doing enough uh, and we all need to speak out about that. I'd like to come to the climate change in just a moment, but there's also, continuing along the, the faith strand, mm. we did have the intervention from 
the chief rabbi uh, in the last few days. And I notice also that the Catholic bishops of England and Wales made their own statement. They had a conference uh, in Leeds last week. And, and normally, my understanding is that they'd say something mm-hmm. like, vote with your conscience. Mm. But this time, they've given out a whole series of guidelines as to how people should vote. That is beginning, as, as you indicate, not just on climate change, mm. but on the whole collection of issues mm. of bringing the church and politics together. Is, is that right, that we should continue on that path? Uh it, uh, it, it is definitely right, uh, because I mean, one of the things that strikes me when I open my New Testament and I read the Gospels, uh, the things that Jesus says are fairly... Uh, um, are politically very radical indeed. He talks about radical liberation, uh, the power of radical love um, and inclusive love. And these things, uh, he speaks out very strongly um, about the failings of the authorities of his day. So I think it is perfectly natural that religious groups should express their views. The notion that uh, religious faith is something personal and doesn't have political implications is... Um, simply not true. And do we then attach that to a political party? So one faith might vote for one party and another another faith for another party uh, again? Or is it more likely that maybe within the uh, party political system that we have in Britain with fewer parties than you might mm. see, say, in the Netherlands, then, or plenty of other European territories for that matter, but then you, you get, because of the British politics, you get all faiths in all parties. You, you, you do get a mixture, although historically, at, at different times... There's the old line about the Conservative Party at prayer, isn't there, really? well, <laughs> the Church of England? <laughs> yes, I think it's quite a long time since the Church of England was the Conservative Party at prayer. Um, the, the, the Green Party is interesting because it's a mixture of people of very widely varying beliefs um, uh, and, indeed, uh, people who don't have a, um, a formal belief... Uh, we, um, we, we, we tend to rub, begone, uh, rub along together. Mm, OK. Now, we can't avoid mentioning climate change, of course. We have the conference which is uh, starting uh, today, and I noticed that the UN Secretary-General has said the world must stop its war against nature and uh, find more political will to combat climate change. But, but I noticed the polls put the Greens around about 3% nationally. You're doing perhaps a little bit better than that in, in Cambridge. I think 5% in that YouGov poll which came out, but when you see the climate marches on the streets and the support that many people seem to have for their aims, if not necessarily always uh, the means, that, that really should be a lot higher at this time, shouldn't it? Well, the uh, the climate has rocketed up the political agenda, but this... not for the Greens. The Greens seem <laughs> to be bobbing along on their on their sort of you know three, four, five percent. But the the the, the effect uh, the effect of of, of Greens for example, turning up to programmes like this, appearing at Hustings, uh, is to make all the other parties talk sensibly about the climate. Now, we have we have um, a, a frankly broken political system, one that alienates lots of people, uh, which is in part the difficulty that we're in. But actually, uh, um, we saw in the European elections that the support for the Greens in Cambridge is really quite large, nearly a quarter mm. of voters in the European elections. We saw quite a lot of support for the Brexit party as Indeed. well, and as we'll explore that with Peter a little no. later on. That's, that's people vote differently in local elections Absolutely. to what they do in they do. general elections to what they do in European elections. So, so if, we, if we had a representative electoral system, 
uh, then parties like the Greens would no, get... No, we tried that a few years ago. We had a referendum on, on that, and um, we voted against as, as a country. Uh, we did. Uh, it would be nice to have another one. I think, I think uh, if you ask people, something like three-quarters of respondents say that they think the current political system is broken. Mm. You campaigned uh, to remove fossil fuels uh, from uh, Cambridge University and uh, they put a fairly significant statement out uh, this year because the Green Party as a whole wants to mm. remove, remove uh, fossil fuels from the economy. First of all, how do you feel the university are doing in the months since they put out their statement? Uh, well, they're, they're, um, they, they've launched a very large initiative, Cambridge Zero, which is about uh, using the, the university's research uh, muscle, if you like, to address the issue, which is, which is good. The question we're asking, though, is about their investments. Uh, they, have, um, uh, they have studiously avoided... Uh, answering the question about where they invest their money. Um, so you want a list? You'd like them to publish a list of no, who... No, I'd, I'd, I'd like them to, to, to announce that as a, as a matter of policy they're not going to invest in companies that extract carbon. And, and nationally, how, how would the Greens make sure that businesses everywhere went ahead and counted the university the business <laughs> at this point? How would you make sure that businesses and organisations across the UK would adhere to that and divest themselves? Uh, from uh, fossil fuels. Uh, well, it, the, the 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 Greens campaign about decarbonising the economy. So what we're aiming to do is decarbonise the economy by 2030. That's slightly different from the divestment issue. Uh, decarbonising the economy would be a by means of a carbon tax. So uh, a tax on extracting or importing fossil fuels, which could then be adjusted basically to make to make using carbon uneconomic. Uh, so you put in the tax and then ratchet it up, would well, you? Well, if, if necessary, uh, along with a lot of measures... This is not going to like that, are they? They're, they're, going, to go, they're going to be con concerned at the time that the economy may perhaps be, be, be facing issues from, from Brexit. They, they might not want an extra tax. There's, there's carrots as well as sticks uh, to encourage uh, companies to move to alternative technology. There's... Uh, what we're proposing is a massive, massive investment, £100 billion a year, in this effort to decarbonise the economy. So companies will be encouraged away from using carbon uh, by the tax and towards using it by massive investment. Mm. And HS2, now I don't want to go into this particular rail line too much, largely because it doesn't really come very very near to us here in, in Cambridge, but uh, alongside that, uh, you want to scrap that as a party, mm, indeed, I, I, I think. Um, £2.5 billion to be spent on cycle routes. Would we get even more in Cambridge as a result of that? Or do other, other places in Britain need to, to copy our, our routes, which we've had so far? Well, so cycle usage in Cambridge is, is, is uh, well above the national average. Um, I, I, I think we still need more because um, uh, we still need... I mean, uh, there's still lots of routes that it is... Uh, not convenient to cycle, and we we, we seriously need to prioritise cycles and walking over kites. Mm. I, I don't. I don't understand. I, I obviously you know, extra cycling, cyclist myself, perfectly mm. happy with that. What what I don't quite get is that surely train routes reduce uh, 
carbon, carbon emissions because you're taking cars and lorries off of the road. So Indeed. why then Indeed. scrap HS2, particularly Indeed. when seven, seven odd billion pounds has been spent on the thing already? Well, uh, H- the problem with HS2 is that it is approaching ninety billion pounds, I think, at the last um, the last time I looked. You spent uh, all that money on for, it, then you for, can well, if if you have ninety billion the project, pounds surely. to spend on the railways, then actually you can get. A, um, a transformative effect in other places. One railway that so the Greens wouldn't spend money on the railways. Seeing, we would absolutely we would. Uh, and one railway line that we think needs prioritising is the line between here and Oxford, which has been dragging on for years. We need to build a railway line, a fast, efficient, and electric railway line between here and Oxford. Not a road. The Oxford to Cambridge Expressway will be obsolete before it's finished because we will have come to realise that people running around in individual cars mm. is not the way forward. And, and then around that, there's always the issue whenever a new rail line or maybe um, new housing development is proposed, there's this thing of it bringing in more jobs, which presumably mm. fills up those houses. So I'm, I'm wondering where the Greens stand on on planning issues as to whether or not you do want Cambridge to grow in the same way that may other other parties might might put forward later in the week. We certainly don't think that um, growth is an end in itself and actually uh, there are many signs that, that the Cambridge region is reaching the limits of what of, of what growth is possible. In spending a hundred billion pounds a year that will certainly generate jobs across the country but jobs in regions that currently uh, lack them, uh, not in places necessarily like Cambridge. I mean, one, 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 of, the, one of the limiting factors um, on Cambridge's growth is the amount of water that's available. And we've seen over the summer um, the, quite frankly, disastrous effects on the chalk streams and on the River Cam of extracting too much water. It's difficult to see how we can carry on building houses uh, when there is simply not enough water, so the uh, you mentioned the the, the UN Secretary General talking about a war on nature, uh, the effect on the natural environment in our immediate locality. We are we are already losing significant ecological systems that are very valuable chalk streams uh that's a sign to us that perhaps we should just stop just building stop just pursuing growth for its own sake which is what is driving a lot of the development in the so-called oxford to cambridge arc now it comes no surprise that we're um, going to um, finish on on brexit it's mm. being um well surprising if i wasn't going to mention it really as much as anything else um i, I think i probably know the answer but um are you a remainer or a lever uh, Remainer, we need to de- to address the climate uh, emergency, and doing that in partnership with other countries is the only way of doing it. Leaving an organisation like the European Union, which uh, can do that, mm. is and, it, and if, if the Greens were to find themselves for some strange reason in the coalition after mm. the government, what would your price be? Would you want a, another referendum? Uh, another referendum on, I mean. Three years ago, people didn't know what Brexit meant. Now, we have much more information, uh, so our price would be another referendum. Okay, Um, Jeremy Caddy. It was a referendum that got us into the mess. We need a referendum to get us out. Okay, I suspect our next guest might have a slightly different view on that, but uh, Jeremy Caddick for uh, the Green Party. Thank you very much for joining us on Cambridge 105 Radio this morning. It's Election Studio from Cambridge 105. I'm Julian Clover. And my next guest is a serial 
and social entrepreneur. He's also a businessman. He's previously stood uh, to be mayor of Cambridgeshire and Peterborough. Uh, here's Peter Dorr. Um, good morning to you, Peter. Thank you for coming good morning. in. We started off uh, with Jeremy with a reference to the events at London Bridge on Friday afternoon, Friday evening. What, what are your thoughts on that and, and, and how that's going to impact on, on the university and, and Cambridge as a whole over the next few days? Um, obviously, it's uh, very sad uh, and, you know, we've got to sympathise with those who um, uh, suffer from it. Um, but it is something that's, you know, happening every day somewhere well every every hour somewhere in the world uh and uh, but it still remains unusual for britain doesn't it yes yes uh where i uh, take issue with uh, jeremy is uh this idea that every soul is redeemable um i'm afraid there are just people who are out and out evil out there and we need to be able to deal with those people uh, in a long-term way. So you'd be in line with Boris Johnson on the um, lock them up and throw away the key theory? Um, if that's the only solution, yes. Uh, the, the, um, you know, one of the great problems with uh, the uh, European uh, courts is that they have put the uh, interests of the individual over the interests of society repeatedly. Uh, and uh, I, I think that's wrong. I think you know that uh, for a society to operate, you do need to make sure that uh, we're safe. Now, like the Greens, the Brexit Party is on about three percent nationally. I realise, obviously, this can vary from poll to poll, and you'll no doubt tell me that the only poll that counts is the one on December the twelfth. But Surely anybody who wants Brexit is going to vote for the Conservatives now, aren't they? Um, anyone who wants to vote Brexit will vote somewhere other than Cambridge, I think. Uh, so why are you standing? Uh, be because it gives me an opportunity to uh, express uh, various views, uh, various radical ideas, uh, and to uh, give people who can't move their vote uh, to uh, some, somewhere to uh, place it. I know Jeremy mentioned proportional representation, but I, I, I guess that, in the same way it might help Greens, that could potentially help the uh, the Brexit party. What, what would be your, your plans if you were to um, have any levers in power after the election in order to, to, to change elements of the voting system? Well, the Brexit Party is for a proportional representation. Personally, uh, I am so cynical about party politicians that I actually don't think it will make any difference uh, to what we get. The uh, establishment are so entrenched into their own self-interest. Who, who, would, you, who would you describe as the, the establishment? I, I find this interesting when politicians bring this out as to, oh, it's the establishment, and surely the, the sheer fact that they're standing up in the Commons and saying that might kind of suggest that they're the establishment. Uh, and you're bidding to become maybe even more part of the establishment than you are already. Well, um... I think I say if if I was worried about getting elected, I wouldn't have sought to uh, stand as a Brexit candidate in Cambridge. Um, uh, so I I do count myself as an anti-politician politician, politician. Mm. Um, and I just want people to understand that generally speaking, uh, politicians make unbelievable promises during the election, 
uh, and then the electorate, uh, and they vote for the biggest promises, and then the electorate spend four years complaining that politicians don't deliver on their promises. Mm. I, I wonder, from your answers so far, if you might not actually be better off standing as an independent rather than for for the Brexit party. You would presumably get over uh, the rules that Cambridge 105 and other broadcasters have to adhere to. You would get uh, um, a certain amount of airtime. I've seen you pictured in the... Yeah local newspapers wearing a cape, I think, in one of in, them, in line with your yeah. superhero door Twitter handle, That's which doesn't right. entirely suggest you're taking the election seriously. Having a sense of humour and having good policies aren't mutually exclusive. In fact, I'd go as far as say that the one thing that politics needs now is a, a, a lighter hand. Um, you know, when I read the tweets that are coming out from... Uh, party hacks, whether they're uh, candidates or supporters, they really are quite vile and violent. Uh, so, you know, going out there, you know, I actually think that my history means that uh, I deserve the super A of uh, superhero, uh, but uh, that uh, idea of um, having, you know, a sense of humour about this and, uh, you know... The hustings that we've been to, you know, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed them and uh, hopefully I haven't once criticised the other candidates. Mm. Uh, do, you think th be, do you think there'll be a Brexit party after the election? Will it still, will it still be with us? My understanding is that uh, Nigel Farage wants to... Uh, is sincere and is wanting to change politics for good. Um, to a certain extent, he, you know... We are quite aligned in many respects uh, in that he just sees that party po party politics as practised in the UK uh, and indeed of most of the Western world uh, has been captured uh, and uh, no longer uh, represents what people want uh, and that we need a, a step change. Historically, uh, that's been done during war. Um, you know, if you progressively get politicians who are more interested in talk than action, uh, and then a war comes along, and uh, all of a sudden the uh, the Baldwins and the uh, Churchills come forward. Do you think? Do you think that Brexit is maybe a war without the fighting? That's my hope. I noticed we we talked talk to Jeremy a little bit about climate change, as you might expect. And arguably, in, in men looking through some of the Brexit Party policies, there are some surprisingly green um, policies in there. For example, I, I noticed you want to abandon HS2 as, as well. But I also see that you want to reduce the tax on fuel, which would presumably encourage more people to get into their cars and create more emissions. Like, uh, like all parties... Um uh, when you stand as a candidate, there are some policies that uh, you find more difficult than others. Um, uh, my personal position, as far as carbon's concerned, is the planet has a limited amount of carbon that we can use and that we should ration it like we did during the war. Um, by rationing, we make sure that A, it's fair, uh, everyone gets a, a share of it, whereas if you do a tax... Uh, basically, the rich just pay the tax, and the poor. Well, that's go the cold. thing. It's the poor, the poor guy who wants to get himself to his his work in his car, which mm. probably isn't as fuel efficient but, in the first place. Is, yeah. Uh, so, 
So, so, so attacks is very regressive. Whereas uh, if you're um, if you do it through uh, rationing, uh, then potentially you can sell. You know, if you're able to substitute your c carbon use, uh, then you can sell your ration to someone else. But uh, but the critical thing about a ration is there's no argument when you've used up the uh, carbon that you that you can allocate. That's the end of it. I noticed that one of your other solutions is to. Um decamp to a farm in, in Norfolk. Is it, is it true that it has a nuclear bunker as part of it? Uh, not a nuclear bunker, no, uh, but um, I am sufficiently concerned about uh, the future of humanity uh, and uh, I honestly don't believe that our politicians are going to secure our future. So I'm securing my future. So I'm. I'm how, how many people would you have in there with you? Um, about a thousand. Okay, so this is a building, building a, a a community, if you like. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I've got the uh, the the first eight fa eight families uh, in discussions now. Okay. Other people might need housing, um, and I, I noticed that the Brexit Party is looking to speed up um, some of the the rules around planning. I'm not entirely sure if the people of, for example, Coton, uh, not exactly the constituency, but uh, you know where I'm going here, and people who are concerned about some of the green areas around Cambridge being um, destroyed and all or in, or in part. What, what do you say to them with uh, the ideas about speeding up planning? Right, um, I'm looking at this purely from a Cambridge perspective. Um, and uh, 30 years ago, uh, I uh, said that, you know, Cambridge was full uh, and we should have a balanced plan uh, for uh, Cambridge to make sure that we don't suffer from growth. Um, I failed on that. Uh, so my next was to build a new town, uh, what is now North Stowe. Uh, I won the argument, uh, but uh, the politicians failed to deliver in that instead of it being a new town of 50,000, they've scaled it down to 10,000, and they didn't build it for 15 years. So you'd have North Stowe ex expanded, would, or, yes. or something yeah, similar, yeah, or, yeah, or areas similar to North Stowe would be yeah, expanded? Yeah. Uh, Britain has the best town planners in the world. We build new towns around the world. Unfortunately, they're not allowed to practice their art uh, in England because politicians mess it up. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I, you know, a vote for me, you know, one of the things that I've, uh, uh, my t 10 labours of a superhero uh, is to stop uh, the building of any more workplaces in and around Cambridge. Uh, because we're an unbalanced So you town. think that would reduce if you, the number of people who needed houses here if we, if, stop, if we keep... Are you, are you saying keep, keep it, stop the growth as it is? Stop, stop the growth of jobs. Uh, we've got probably 20 years of building houses to catch up with the deficit. Um, you know, if you're in a hole, stop digging. Mm. Uh, and... Um, uh, you know, but if you're in a village, if you're in a village which has had a request and planning permission in to build, I'd, I'd like to say five new properties. Do you do you just ignore the the wishes of the people in 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 that village to get the the properties built? Well, uh, again, I go back to what uh, to my policy it is that was the, to build new towns rather than spread the misery across 
uh, the, the whole of South Camps. Uh, the other great thing about new towns is that they have to have their own infrastructure. They can't uh, uh, parasite off of existing infrastructure. And also, um, because it's a town, you can actually have a viable transport system between town centres whereas a fragmented and, and diverse population going to fragmented and diverse uh, workplaces, uh, you can't support an integrated transport system. OK, well, Peter Dorr, thank you very much. Uh, Peter Dorr from the Brexit Party. Beforehand, it was Jeremy Caddick for the Green Party. I should just run through uh, the full list of candidates, all eight of them uh, standing in and around Cambridge. Uh, Jeremy Caddick for the Green Party, uh, Rod Cantrell for the Liberal Democrats, Peter Dorr from the Brexit Party, Keith Garrett, Rebooting Democracy, and Miles Hurley, an independent, Russell Perrin for the Conservatives, Jane Robbins for the Social Democratic Party and Daniel Zeichner for the Labour Party. The election, of course, on December the 12th. We will encourage you to vote in that. We will continue uh, with Election Studio across the week on Cambridge 105 Radio. Tomorrow, uh, my guest is going to be Anthony Brown, who is standing uh, for the Conservatives in the South Cambridgeshire uh, constituency. Uh, we are back tomorrow at nine o'clock. Beforehand, I'm back with Lucy Malazzo on Cambridge Breakfast. Uh, coming up next, though, is Lee Chambers on Midmornings. Cambridge 105 Radio.